Popcorn Poops is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for a free audiobook and free 30-day trial of their subscription service. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download to listeners of Popcorn Poops along with a 30-day trial of their services. This week we're recommending Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, narrated by Will Wheaton. To download this or another audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops. Be sure to visit the correct URL so they know we sent you, and you'll be helping to support our show. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for your free audiobook. We are the Popcorn Poops. Hey everyone, and welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Jessica. And I'm Dustin. This month, our theme is video game adaptations, and my pick for this week's episode is Hironobu Sakaguchi's 2001 film, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. If you are syncing this recording up to the movie, go ahead and start the film, and then press pause as soon as the Square Pictures vanity card completely fades to black. It's time to start the movie. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. And we're off. It's our last video game it is. movie. It's our last one. This has been really fun. Yeah, it has. I, I think it's been a, a really good month of not so good movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but that is that is just the nature of, of video game movies. But yeah, we're uh, we're finishing the month with um, at the time when it came out, I think was uh, a very uh, highly anticipated movie, uh, especially for fans of the Final Fantasy game of series. And we're, I, I don't think this is a horrible movie. I'm just, I'm not going to bury the lead at all. I don't think it's a horrible movie, but I think it's got big, big problems. And I think it's largely kind of forgettable it and, is. and boring. Boring, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, this, uh, this was something that I really <laughs> looked forward to when it was coming out. And uh, I think that since it's your pick this month, what is, what is your history with this movie? With this movie? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, you know, all of us Final Fantasy players were real excited when this came out, and I remember me and my friends, were were we dating at this time yet? No, not, not yet. yet, no. Um, it was a couple years before we met. I mean, me and my friends were all really excited about it, and and not just because it was a Final Fantasy movie, but because it this was the first like full computer animated like photorealistic yeah it, it was the first movie that attempted to do a photorealistic fully cg animated right thing, yeah. and so it was really exciting because it's like oh my gosh it's like the cutscenes in the games except it's the whole movie and that was it was super impressive back then too uh, it was i don't think it really holds up all that well I mean, it doesn't look bad, though. There are still some beautiful shots. There, no, there are definitely some beautiful shots. All of the backgrounds are hand-painted. They're, uh, they're much really pretty. Like, much like a lot of those JRPGs that, that have, like, 3D elements in mm-hmm. the foreground, and they have, like, backgrounds that are that are completely hand-painted. The one that always comes to my mind that I just, oh, God, it's still so beautiful is Chrono Cross. Chrono Cross, yeah. It, Chrono it Cross is a, is a really great so example gorgeous. of that. All the backgrounds are like watercolor or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And like and every I, background in that game, you could like frame and put it on your wall somewhere. I think this this movie is or has the potential to be that beautiful. And there are shots in this movie that are really kind of stunning. 
in that way, but uh, I think that also lends itself to to my thought that this movie is not much more than spectacle, and I don't think it wanted to be much more than that. It wanted to be kind of a technological milestone in filmmaking, uh, and I think at the time it was perceived that way, but now that we have... For example, like PlayStation 3, a cutscene from PlayStation 3 is not unlike this entire movie. And for those of us who play a lot of video games, like you and I, watching this movie really feels like just watching a really, really long video game Yeah, I'm sitting scene. there going, uh, okay, so when do I get to control the character Can again? I press start to skip? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, and I think that that is is ultimately to the movie's detriment because watching this, it's it, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't feel enough like a movie to me. Maybe back then it did. I remember I got to see this at a special preview screening uh, with one of my friends. He managed to get tickets from a radio station or something like that. And we went to go see it like a week before it actually came out. And I came out of the theater like really disillusioned with the movie almost like 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 the first time I saw Star Wars episode 1 right where I come out of the movie and I'm like that was great oh man that was just oh it was beautiful and the and the the, 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 the CG was just amazing and the animation was so cool and it was great and it's awesome uh and then over time I would come I would revisit this movie I've probably seen this movie maybe 3 or 4 times I guess at this point uh, and every time I come back to it, I'm like, oh, it doesn't look as good as I remember it. The next time I come back, it looks l- less good than the time before. I think my my uh, biggest problem with the movie is that it doesn't really feel like a Final Fantasy movie at all. No, and, and that's a, that's another thing. It, if it feels like a Final Fantasy movie, it feels like maybe like the worst parts of a Final Fantasy game that I don't really want to participate in. Actually, uh, one of our listeners on our Facebook page, uh, Chris French, uh, made a comment about this movie. He said, if this didn't have the title, it would be a better movie. But it raised unrealistic expectations. If they had just called it The Spirits Within, then it may have done better. As it stands, it's the only movie ever made by Square. It killed their novice movie studio, which is uh, as far as far as it being the only movie they did, it's the only full length movie they mm. did. They also did a short film called uh, Final Flight of the Osiris, which was part of the Animatrix. Uh, oh yeah, short that's film right. Mythology. And also maybe the only reason anyone saw Dreamcatcher because it was attached to that movie okay. when it came out. Yes, true. Um, but I I, I I I half agree with him. I think I think so. I I think I don't. I mean I don't know if it would have done any better because. I think the reason most people went to see this is because they were geeks and saw the title Final Fantasy on it. I would guess that was the reason that most people went to go see this. Um, so if you take that off, you would lose uh, everyone who didn't know who Sakaguchi was, right? Yeah. Which is probably most people, even most people, I mean, probably even a lot of people who play the games don't know that name off the top of their head. Right. So, um but so you'd lose a lot of those people unless it was by word of mouth or something. And uh, however, though, I I do think I don't know if it would have done better, but I do think it's more appropriate. I think it is more appropriate. Um, Just calling I mean, it the spirits within. It, Final Fantasy is kind of a terrible title for this movie. Uh, first of all, because it's not fantasy. This movie is pretty strongly like straight sci-fi. Science fiction. Yeah, it is it's science fiction. Sci-fi. With uh, and you know they they take 
some fantasy elements or rather some like paranormal elements like the whole thing about like, the ghosts they take, and the spirits like, it's and the spiritual. phantoms. Like, yeah, it's, it's like it's spiritual, spiritual kind of sci-fi. new agey and stuff yeah. like that. But they take all of that stuff and they wrap it in this sci-fi shell where all of the things that one would consider like paranormal or fa- fantastical, all of those elements are, uh, I guess, quantified, I guess, in some way as measurable within this world of science. You know, they use machines kind of like kind of like Ghostbusters, like Ghostbusters. I think on some level you can call it science fiction because they take they take the the fantasy of, you know, the idea that ghosts exist and they turn it into something measurable and scientific, quantifiable, quantifiable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, Something that you can regulate and put into a box and right, analyze. Right, exactly. And they turn it into sci-fi. That's exactly what this movie does. It is not fantasy at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now, granted, in a lot of the games, there are definitely sci-fi themes sure. and sci-fi mechanics. Like, I mean, uh, to be fair, my my favorite um, Final Fantasy games are the ones that lean more towards fantasy and less yeah. of the sci-fi stuff. Unfortunately, the Final Fantasy games get really convoluted, I think, in their stories and in their techno babble. And I feel like when you add science fiction to that, it just gives the writers free reign to just insert just, you know, a plethora of unintelligible techno babble into a game that's already going to be filled with so much story that after like, 30 hours or 40 hours you're just like I don't even you're know where I, I am anymore, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> let's go fight some stuff um, but but so I like the fantasy games more because they're generally maybe a little simpler at yeah. least um, it maybe if they're not simpler they're they there's at least less techno babble in them and it turns into fantasy babble well, which the, is a the- little Right. Easier at, to swallow. At the end of the day, even with all of the sci-fi trappings that some of the Final Fantasy games have, especially the later ones, or I guess the PlayStation era ones, uh, yeah. kind of leaned toward, uh, there's always that idea, like at, at the at the center of the story, there's always that idea, like life stream or something mm-hmm. from, from Final Fantasy VII. Or at the very least, people are still using spells. They're still yeah. using yeah. fire spells and you know Absolutely. ice spells and, and water spells. And this movie doesn't have anything like that. No, nothing. Nothing at all like that. The closest that. we even... get is that spiritual stuff. Yeah. it's And it uh, I, this doesn't resemble a Final Fantasy game in almost any way whatsoever. I mean, even the setting, we're set on Earth. Yeah. And as far as I understand, none of the Final Fantasy games are set on... on In a, our universe? Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess it maybe could be conceived that some places were maybe like in history were a spawning of Earth or something or like that. Maybe but, inspired by places but, on Earth, of course. Um, but but they're, they're all separate worlds. So this is... We're in New York City right now. Yeah, we are. So let's let's talk about what's been going on. We've got our main character, Doctor Aki Ross, who is voiced by uh, what's her name, Ming Na Wen, I think her name is, uh, and she's an actress that I'm not not uh, very familiar with. Um, but she is uh, been having she's been having these dreams where she's on this desolate planet, and eventually we'll get to see more and more of the dreams. But but basically, the dreams she feels are some kind of communication. Uh, from these phantoms that exist on Earth that she's been studying. Uh, and what she's doing right now in, in what they call Old New York City, which I, I feel like, um, I, I mean, this 
this came after Futurama and the concept of old New York City to me. <laughs> like as soon as I saw that pop up on the screen, the little tile card, I was like, oh, they're just stealing ideas from Futurama now. <laughs> That's how you can tell good sci-fi is when they steal ideas from Futurama. Yeah, then true, it's great sci-fi. True. Uh, but she's uh, she's trying to collect uh, organic life forms because organic life forms have some of them have what are what they call spirits and these spirits can be used to she's working with a guy named Sid that's one connection right, to Final Fantasy yeah. games there's always a Sid um, did that start in the first game or the second game Ooh, I that's... I feel like I read somewhere that started in the second game, but then I also feel like I read somewhere that there was a Sid in the first game. I haven't I played know. one or two, I don't know. so that's a good piece of trivia that I don't know. Um, but but he's always like a pilot or something like right. that. In in this movie, he's he's a scientist, but he has a ship. So okay. I kind of I mean, there's not really airships are another kind of stalwart of the Final Fantasy games, and I don't know that you could say that there are airships in this movie because they're all just spaceships. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 strange. But the Sid in the games is always he 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 almost always is a pilot or right. or like in uh, in four he's he's the the leader of the airships for the castle mm. that that you're in fifteen. Sid is going to be a girl. Really? Yeah. For the first time. Oh, good job. Yeah. Thanks, Final Fantasy. <laughs> um, it took us about a thousand games. So yeah, she's working with Dr. Sid uh, on this project that they are using these organic life forms and trying to complete this puzzle basically where they find and he'll, they'll come to explain eight spirits which is kind of similar to I think this shot here before we leave it this whole the barrier city yeah. uh, out it's at New York City I think New it's, New York they didn't and, they didn't go full Futurama and just <laughs> New call New it New New York um it's if i'm right from the the uh, sky shots, I'm pretty sure this is like lower Manhattan. It's right in lower Manhattan. Right. Because I think that we see the remnants of the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge. But um, this this whole shot here before when we could see like the bubble and everything, that looked really Final Fantasy to me. Yeah. Later Final Fantasy. It looked like, I don't know, like something out of 13 or something like okay, that. Okay, yeah. One of the you sets know, some, like that. Something interesting. This movie came out... Two months before the September 11th attacks, and none of the shots of New York in this movie have the the World Trade Center in them. Huh. Interesting, right? It is interesting. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Anyway, she's trying to complete this puzzle that mm-hmm. is a basically kind this of. This is really important. So go on. Well, I mean, it's it's the the whole movie is centered around this. MacGuffin, which is, it's really eight MacGuffins that they have to collect eight spirits to complete this wavelength that will kill the phantoms in a way that won't harm the earth spirit, which they call Gaia. Yeah, I gotta go get that quest item and, right. you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's, 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 the whole movie's a fetch quest. So I guess it is kind of like a video game. Right? Uh, and and then they're, they're the antagonist of the, the movie, we haven't met him yet, but uh, he's a guy named General Hein. Uh, and you can tell he's a bad guy because he has like slick black hair. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a black trench coat. He's voiced by James Woods, and his name is one letter away from Heil. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, and he his whole plan is to use this cannon that they just apparently just spent a ton of money on and just finished building called the Zeus Cannon. And he, it's proven to kill phantoms, but it, there's also a chance that it could harm Gaia and kill the Earth. So Doctor Sid is against that. But everybody in the, I don't know what they are, the High Council, the council or whatever the, the, they are. The exposition room. Um, <laughs> the exposition room 
all the leaders of the exposition room are, uh, they don't believe in Gaia, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, like, later, you know, everyone's laughing at them when they're like, it's, so you're telling me that these are alien ghosts who are trying to get to our spirit, and, and they're laughing at her, and I'm like, yeah, it is stupid. You're right. You should laugh about it, because... It's stupid. Yeah, it's it's it is, <laughs> it's real dumb. It sounds really stupid, but the, within the the universe that this world this this movie creates, it's really strange to me that people on this council aren't taking you know these spirits and things more seriously, Serious. right? Because what else again, could these things be? They look like right, ghosts. Exactly. Well, what again? What I said before is all of this stuff is observable within science. It's measurable. It's quantifiable. And within this universe, these ghosts and spirits and stuff are not just as Hein says later, touchy feely, you know, new agey kind of stuff. It's observable. Right. It's measurable. This is science in this world. This is science. So it's surprising that they that they. Don't take them seriously. Right. It's it's really strange. And I feel like the, the... I think at the core of this movie is obviously an environmental message about take care of the earth and, and also an anti-war message about don't blow up the earth in war and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of loosey-goosey, though. And it, it, it kind of... I don't know. I think to a Western audience, to an Eastern audience, like you know, in Japan, of course, this was was directed and the story was was uh, was developed by Hironobu Sakaguchi, who is the creator of, of Final the Final Fantasy. Fantasy series, which is kind of amazing that he was able to helm this big yeah, project. Yeah, that is amazing. That is kind of amazing. Um, but I think to an Eastern audience that doesn't have the cultural context of maybe uh, environmental issues in the United States and how it's kind of a a bipartisan, you know left versus right global warming exists or doesn't exist kind of thing uh that conflict doesn't really exist here in japan where we are yeah um so in the united states when you watch something like this and the good guys are trying to quantify this idea that the earth has a spirit and you have to protect its spirit which seems uh i think remarkably like religious yeah in nature absolutely spirit spiritual spiritual it's spiritual of course it feels like it's mixing those two things together i mean we keep seeing people get their souls ripped out in this movie exactly so people have have souls souls. (laughs) (laughs) right so they're mixing like those two parts of the issue that usually lie on different sides of the of the you know the dividing line the the line of conflict Mm -hmm. if you will and then you've got the bad guys who are who are clearly bad guys because they look and act and talk like bad guys and they even wear black and they're using maybe not science in the way that our main characters are using science, but they're using proven effective methods, uh, military tactics and, you know, just basically hard facts to prove that what they're doing is the right thing. Right. It is. It, it As a Western viewer, it makes you feel kind of torn. Yeah, exactly. You're watching. And you're like, wait you're a like, second. Wait, uh, mm, the, wait. So the. Okay, wait, the the guys who are pro-environment are also really religious. Obviously, wait because a minute. they believe in spirits and stuff like Hold this. On. But the spirits uh, are real, so they can quantify them with science. So it's still scientific. But the bad guys also want to do this other thing that might hurt the earth, but it's proven to be effective against this thing that they're trying to do. That's hurting the earth. Like, it all kind of shakes out, but to a Western audience, I think it is kind of a confusing core message, mm-hmm. right? I think so too. So I don't know. It, it's it's 
Very, very strange. Um, so right now we've got a scene where uh, Aki Ross is talking to Dr. Sid about um, basically the, the puzzle piece, the, the wavelength that they're trying to create to destroy the phantoms. And uh, Sid right now is showing her his old diary where he talks about Gaia and how all... Uh, all natural life forms, all physiological uh, life forms have a spirit, and that spirit comes from Gaia, and it lives a complete life inside that that physical life form. And when that life form dies, the spirit, having, uh, I guess, uh, garnered a bunch of experiences and become a richer, more full spirit, goes back to Gaia and allows it to grow and, and stay healthy and stuff I'm like that. I'm glad you, you got all that, and it like processed in your brain, <laughs> and you know you were able to spit it back out verbally. That's impressive. Right. So, I don't know. Like it, it, To me, like the line that they, they ride between new age touchy-feely stuff and what they call science, observable science, uh, you know, science that you can experiment on and create theories about and stuff like that, is really shaky. There's a whole lot of gray area. Yes, there is. Uh, because for every... There's a whole lot of gray clothes, too. Yes, that's true. This, this movie's color palette is... Um, Drab. Gray, it's gray drab, rooms and least. gray skies, and <laughs> so he's uh, he's worried that the council, which I guess is more or less run by the military, I think he refers to it as a military council at at, at one point. Uh, he's afraid that they are going to basically jail them for radical scientific ideas that are not accepted by society. Right, and this yet. is th- that whole scene. He compares himself to Galileo. Yes, he does. Who is j- who is jailed for suggesting that the earth is not the center of the universe. Um he he uh burns his journal or whatever it is in front of her. Okay. Which is a stupid so stupid because in the very next scene he just outs himself to the entire right, council. Right, it is it is stupid. Um but he burns his journal in front of her and he's like every everything that could get you in trouble you need to destroy and keep it up here in your head and 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 the first thing i think immediately is well she should probably you know delete those dreams that she's been recording that show her standing with a bunch of aliens i mean right yeah that's the first thing that pops in my head and it doesn't come back until later in the movie but then eventually it does come back and they the bad guys find her dreams and that's like what gets them all in trouble in the first place. Now well, they they want to use it as evidence that she is being that influenced she's being influenced by, by the, the aliens, phantoms, yeah. and so then anything she says can't be trusted, and actually is probably the opposite of what they should do. Fine. Um, I know that we're not supposed to judge. Like when people when people watch a movie and they see someone do they see a character do something stupid and they're like oh my gosh that was so dumb that was so dumb that character did that I mean well the character was written that way so clearly the character isn't that smart clearly the character has was written intentionally to do something stupid unfortunately when I, when I have a problem with this kind of thing is in this situation where I don't think she's a stupid character. No. She's supposed to be a smart character. Yeah, of course. She's supposed to be very smart. And her big mistake being that she doesn't erase something that obviously is going to get her in trouble, I think it's stupid writing. 
not a stupid character. Right. The, like, that's when... The, and the writing is... Where my critique of that situation is coming from. Yeah. I mean, and, and I guess at the, at the center of any bad movie or bad story is the writing. And this, this movie feels like... It, it doesn't feel like it's written quite like a video game, but I think similarly to <laughs> a video game, uh, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, and the the writing the writing is a is a big problem. We actually had a co- another comment on uh, on Facebook from a listener named Justin Bray, uh, who says if they were to make another movie, which Final Fantasy video game series would make the best adaptation? And my answer to that is none of yeah, them. None of them. Because they're all bad stories, and I know people. Oh, we're gonna get so it. much hate for this. You we're said it so out loud. And this needs to be. It needs this to be needs, said. It need, well, it needs to be said. It also needs to be taken with the fact that both you and I love Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, we, we, oh, yeah. Love, we love the games. Them. Both you and I have played a ton of the Final Fantasy games. Between the two of us, we've played all of them. Well, at least all of the the console games. Maybe yeah, not the all main, the portable the main entry, games. Yeah, but, the main entries. Um, but I've even played some of the portable games too. Yeah. Um, no, we do we do love them, and it's not to say that Final Fantasy is not capable of creating interesting characters uh, that have interesting personalities and have interesting designs and are very colorful and, pretty and fun cinematics to watch and, pretty and cinematics occasionally and kind of some funny dialogue, occasionally, yeah, sure. occasionally some interesting ideas and stuff, but, but generally, at, at the end of the day, every Final Fantasy game story. Only exists to serve the set pieces. Right. It is you throw some exposition, and it's usually just exposition and and info dumps. You get in a conversation with somebody, and they give you a whole bunch of exposition about the next thing that you're doing, and then you go do that thing. It gives you an excuse to play the next part of the game. Now, in some of the later ones, they try to expand that and create these big, vast, complicated storylines that are really, really melodramatic and can easily easily be confused. For good stories, I think. Right. Yes. But uh, but they're not. They none of them really ever work. And they're the, despite the fact that you spend your entire time with characters uh, within these stories, they're very rarely character driven stories. Well, and I mean, the, and that's the a big biggest problem. the biggest problem for me with that is that I spend when I'm playing a Final Fantasy game, I spend you know like. 80 hours or something with these characters by the end of 80 hours with characters I should be so invested in them Mm -hmm. I should be oh my god I should be in tears when they die I should be really emotionally attached to them god even in 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 novel series with that have bad writing for example the Sookie Stackhouse books right uh Charlene Harris I really loved the first like seven of them um and and then the writing just, I guess, I don't know, maybe she was like seeing the paychecks from the TV show and she was just like, oh, I gotta get these out. Doesn't really matter what goes on the page. <laughs> and and like the last half of them, and there were, how many were there all together? 12 or 14? I don't know. Um, and the last half of them were just, just pieces. And, uh, and but the thing is, is I continued to read them. I read them until the very end because I was invested in those characters. I had spent time with those characters. I cared about them. I didn't care if they were in a book with bad dialogue and bad writing and bad plot and boring, boring events. I right. didn't care. You 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 cared I enough about Suki to watch her to see do them. her laundry and get her mail. Right. And all that kind exactly. Of shit. I know. And and when I've spent eighty hours with a character in a game. 
it should have the exact same effect feeling exactly and by the end of any final fantasy game you're so fatigued by this completely plot driven story that is just plot point plot point plot point so you can play 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 and power through the game with a little bit of character development here and there but I mean, at the end of the day, I don't like if I think about who, for example, Titus from Final Fantasy X is as a character, like what his character arc is through that game. The first thing that comes to mind is daddy issues. Like there's I a guess. thing with daddy issues, I guess. Like I'm not. It, it, everything it's very gets different. so convoluted by the end of the game. They they dump so much story on you in the second half of the game or the even in the later the very the very late half uh, portions of the games they they just dump and dump information and by the end of it you're you're just like I don't even know anymore who these people are we just passed uh, the the uh, movie still identification game shot that we used for this movie and uh, this week's winner was Justin Bray second week in a row oh nice so uh, so congratulations to Justin Bray but yeah, uh, I, I guess getting getting back to characters and story in Final Fantasy games, the characters can be fun if a little incomplete and really just kind of one dimensional. Like they have a they have a path and they walk down that path and that's it. That is their and I and I get character. so There's, frustrated. There are so rarely any complexity to characters in Final Fantasy games, and the most complexity you get usually is. Maybe the main character, maybe the main character will have a couple of layers to them, but they're so surrounded and drowned in just complicated storylines that don't matter at all, that only serve to move you to the next set piece that, I I mean, by the end of the game, you're so fatigued with all of it that you just don't care. You don't care about the story. You don't care about the characters. And that's that's not a good sign. I think bringing that back to the movie here, this movie attempts to create more realistic characters, more layered characters. Uh, they end up coming off as cliche because I think that 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 the writer's idea of what these characters should be, like a like real characters in a movie that you expect to see in, in a real Hollywood movie, uh, is people with kind of some darkness in their past and then they have to come back together and they're fighting for what they believe in and it doesn't go much deeper than that. There's no there's no real moral ambiguity in this. There's nothing really as interesting as that and it's surrounded by this plot that is just barely, barely comprehensible. You, you can't, I mean... It, I paid really, really close attention to this movie, and I think I got everything about it. And at the end of the day, it's kind of it's still really wishy-washy to me. The story, like, <laughs> I read a comment online about this, and I think it sums up this movie. Per- I, I, actually, I think it was, uh, it was a reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't remember who it is. But the person said, I have never seen a movie with more exposition, and I still don't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, but on. isn't that kind of, oh, God, I'm going to say this out loud. Isn't that kind of how, like, a lot of Japanese movies get, though? Yeah, that, that is true. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that it's it's this weird balance, because at the beginning of this movie... We just directly say things like she directly says what what's her first line or one of her first lines is something about will I be in time to save the earth? Yeah, it's one of her first lines. It's like whoa, okay, so oh, we're so we know what's oh, at stake. Okay, <laughs> so the earth is at stake, and you're gonna try and save. Okay, got it. So like some things are just directly said, and you're kind of taken aback because that's not typically how how we go about storytelling in the west and then on but then on the the other 
half of it, Japanese movies often just go, like, they usually, and we're going to hit this point, too, where you think you're done with the movie, and you get to this point where everything seems to be wrapping up, and you're like, okay, we've got it, we're going to have our climax here, and we're going to be, oh, no, we've got another hour left. Yep. And that happens in this movie, and it happens in a lot about, of Japanese about movies. About halfway through this movie, you get the feeling you're like, oh, it's it's wrapping up. We're, we're, we're coming to the end of this thing. Okay. I mean, it, that's what it really feels like. It feels like we're, we're getting the finished story. Where we've got this arc. Like, you can feel the arcs and the waves in a movie as you mm-hmm. watch it. And this does what a lot of those Japanese movies do. And about halfway through, you're like, okay, we're wrapping up. And you look at the runtime, and you're like, oh, holy shit, we're only halfway through. That's- and that's the point, usually where you suddenly just get a massive exposition dump. You just get a ton of new information and a ton of new stuff that you to just have you to believe all of, of a movie. sudden. Yeah. And and it does that where where suddenly it's like, well, we can make this thing and we'll put it on your chest and you can absorb and then but then we can't do this because of that and this rule that I just told you with my mouth and Whatever, and you get all this information, and you're like, okay, but I'm not invested in any of this, and I, what? I thought we were done, and... Some of the lighting... And it gets so convoluted. Look at the lighting in this scene, where you've got two of the characters that seem to be more neutral are lit from the side, and then you've got Hein, who is basically lit like he has a flashlight under his chin. Yeah, well, it's like the most basic, like obvious. There is no subtlety whatsoever to this at all. It's it's ridiculous. And then in this scene, like we we've, we've been talking over a bunch of this stuff, and that for well, a movie that's you know. for a movie that's got such a dense story that is kind of impenetrable in some ways, we really need to be talking about what's going on in the movie. Uh, but basically. Aki Ross, after having Sid throw away his old diary because he's afraid that he'll get arrested or something like Galileo for his radical scientific ideas, uh, they're in the council room, and then Sid just totally outs himself and says, oh, yes, uh, I believe in Gaia, the spirit of the Earth. And Aki's like, what the hell are you doing, man? You just threw away your your diary, right? you just told me not to talk about... Yeah, we're not... Okay, whatever. These are the exact people that we're not supposed to talk to about this. And then she one-ups him on saying stuff out loud. Like, he says, says, uh, don't worry about this, I know what I'm doing. But he doesn't actually have a plan. It's Aki who actually fixes the situation by saying, listen, I have proof that our methods are working because I have a phantom inside me that is that Which is, is surrounded. like an infection I guess they yeah, treat it like, like it's an infection like yeah I, I, they treat it like it's an infection but when they come in contact with phantoms it sucks their souls out but yeah, they so can I don't also understand get phantoms how inside you can them. get a phantom inside you without getting your soul sucked out I don't know I don't know but anyway she has a phantom inside her that has this membrane around it that's made up of the incomplete wavelength that they've been working on together uh, in order to wipe out these phantoms so she activates this thing on her chest and it projects like the phantom with the little sphere guy around it and they're like oh my god okay well we'll we'll give you some extra time to work on this project and we won't use the zeus cannon now from there aki is searching for the next spirit i think they're they've got two more they've got what is it six of them now or do they have five of them i don't know does it i mean whatever she's looking for the next one and there's this little. They've got to get eight altogether, I think. Right. There's the scene between her and Ben Affleck. 
<laughs> it's not Ben Affleck, but the character's name is Gray Edwards, and he's the leader of the Deep Eyes uh, military squad that comes and saves her on on uh, on Old New York, and he's voiced by Alec Baldwin, but he looks so much like Ben Affleck. <laughs> he looks so much like Ben Affleck that I. I Every time I think about this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, well it's got Donald Sutherland plays Sid, and we've got James Wood who plays the James Woods who plays the bad guy, and we've Steve Buscemi's in it. Oh, and Vin, Ving Rhames does a voice in it. That's really cool. And then there's Ben Affleck. <laughs> oh wait, no, it's not Ben Affleck. It it just looks just like Ben Affleck, except it's uh, it's Alec Baldwin. The cast in this movie is like crazy good, though. It's kind of ridiculously good. But you know I- the uh, the character Aki Ross, the I they wanted her. To be an the first CG actress, digital actress, <laughs> they they planned that um, she was she was going to appear in different roles in different movies. I guess the same design. Uh, okay, okay. Hindsight is twenty twenty, so we can safely and kind of cowardly look back on that statement and laugh at it. Mm-hmm. But. I think in all fairness, can you actually imagine a series of movies coming out with like the same digital actress playing like a bunch of different roles? So that like shit is so Japanese. The model of uh, it is it is, it so, is Japanese. so it's Japanese. very Japanese. But the model of Dr. Aki Ross being voiced by maybe not Ming-Na Wen, maybe a variety of different voice actresses, but that model being in a bunch of different movies. Right. Yeah, that's what, so what, Japanese. What? I mean, it is. I mean, think you're. We're sitting here going, "That's so dumb." But think how many people would tell you that they loved that actress, quote unquote, yeah. and how they were so excited because she was going to be in another movie, and how much merchandise there would be, and how many pachinko games, slot games there would be with her face on it. Yeah. And oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like you know she. <laughs> Like the virtual, the virtual performers and stuff here are so popular. She was in. Oh man, I have it in my notes somewhere, but I've got so many notes on this movie that I'm just I'm skipping all of them. Every single scene, <laughs> I've got like ten things I want to say about it, but the movie just moves along too quickly. It's got too does, many. Does it move along too quickly? It, it's there's there's too many scenes. There's too many scenes yeah, of like little dumb scenes. exposition, and then they do something, and they move along and do another little piece of exposition. But somewhere in my notes, uh, the year this came out. Aki Ross, the character of Aki Ross, was in Maxim magazine. What? As like one of what was it? It was like the top one hundred hottest people in what? of of two thousand one oh or my whatever. God, that's so stupid. And of course, it's the the first and only you know digital. Woman. Yeah, because then after that, they were like, "Oh God, this is mm, we shouldn't do that." So it's in she's she's in an issue of Maxim with wearing like a bikini or something. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Japan. I really appreciate it. Please continue doing that because I love it <laughs> a lot. So anyway, after after they do the whole thing at the council where she reveals that she's got this phantom inside her, um, that we have a little bit of scene. That skull inside that that helmet looked really terrible, by the way. It Some did. of these shots, and and this movie took was made over the course of four years. So a lot of the stuff they made back in like 1997 that they started working on, they had to continually took four re- years and 200 people working continuously yeah. too. Uh, they it's had to continually project. retouch so that they could keep up with technology as technology was advancing. And I think it's really obvious in some scenes and in some sh- in some shots in particular that. Some stuff just looks better than other stuff. Like some stuff is really obviously 
the the newer technology look pretty dumb i think the phantoms look terrible I, and you know what? Oh gosh, it's it, I totally think this every time I see them, but I feel like the phantoms are just an excuse for not having to actually animate real monsters. Oh, like wow. like you don't you you get away with being like, "Look at these giant horrible monsters," except you can only kind of see them. They're translucent. They look they look more like them. temporary models, like right, exactly. that are supposed to be They in didn't have place. to do texture. They didn't have to do weight and stuff like that cuz they're all floating in the air. Yeah, That's I think really interesting. I think it's just when I watch it, I'm just like cheap, 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 cheap. Not that this was a cheap movie, no, because no. it wasn't an expensive movie that went way over budget. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like 137 million, I think, to make it, and yeah. it only made back like 85 million, Ooh. which oh, is why uh, that uh, the person on I think it was on Facebook talked about Square Pictures going down. They was, did. They they did. They did go under. This was it's the only largely thing that believed they made, that this basically. bomb was the reason that Square Pictures went down, which makes sense because that's. A massive loss. Can, um, you, can you imagine what kind of movies we'd have but look at if this. this was successful? Like st- the stuff that Square would have made after this. What in the world kind of movies would we have? Would we have gotten from Square? Would we have gotten a, a Mana movie, like a Legend of Mana movie? Would we have gotten a, a Chrono movie? I mean, I I would I would like to see stuff like that. It's not that I don't want to see it. I just didn't enjoy seeing this. I mean, look at that. Come on and tell me that doesn't look like they were just like, well, that's interesting. We don't we don't have the time or the money to actually So basically what's these. what's going on right now is they were on the they were at the Tucson wasteland looking for uh, another spirit and while they're there they get attacked of course again like it's basically the exact same situation that happens in old new york city when she finds the little plant and as soon as she finds it all of the monsters show up and they have to like defend her as she retrieves the spirit or retrieves the plant that contains the spirit the exact same thing happens she finds a spirit inside the oval pack which is like a a power pack on on a dead soldier that's in the wastelands Mm -hmm. And they have to explain it away. It's really, I don't understand why they introduce elements to this movie that they feel the need to create in order to create more exposition. She's like, oh, it's inside the oval pack. Well, why is it inside the oval pack? Well, as you know, the oval pack contains bioetheric energy that is made from, you know, you know, biological spirit energy or whatever. So it's totally possible that that energy That's could what I'm talking about. Just like they make up rules. It's like they, they see something and What's then the they just say a bunch of stuff why couldn't it? Why couldn't it have been a fucking fish or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> then they don't have to explain it. There's a plant and there's a fish and then you got to get a bird and then you got to get a peanut and then you're done. <laughs> Right? <laughs> the peanut was the best part. The peanut's the best one. Um, now, I will say, though, I think, and I don't want to go way into it, because if you really want to listen to us talk about Shinto beliefs and stuff oh, like yeah. that, then please go listen to like the Totoro episode or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't want to go into it with this movie, but I think that that's probably a major influence on, on the whole spirit. I mean, I, probably. It's definitely, obviously, a major influence on the whole spirit thing in this movie. In... In Shinto beliefs, uh, there are spirits in everything, everything, and not everything natural too. Uh, there sometimes are spirits in there are statues and things for man-made things and for mm-hmm. for like occupations and things like that. It's too. like it's like saints. It's like the saints in Catholicism. Kind, kind of like that. There's like yeah. a patron saint of the internet and stuff um, like that. And they. 
the word is kami, and uh, people mistranslate that as God a lot because when you say God, it really gives it a much larger yeah, feeling it than kind it of really aggrandi- is. Like in English, the word God is a much more aggrandized version right. of what Akami and, actually and is. I think spirit is a better translation for it. There are spirits in everything in Shintoism. And um, so that kind of makes sense to me with this stuff, like her finding a spirit in a backpack and her finding a spirit in a bird and her finding a spirit in a plant. It's like, I mean, obviously it's, it's in a peanut. <laughs> Have been a better movie, I'm telling you. So, um, they were at the Tucson wasteland, and when they left, uh, they had to leave in a hurry under the basically the same circumstances as in the very first scene in Old New York. But as they're escaping, Aki's like chest plate starts malfunctioning, or she, you know, has a problem with the Phantom. The Phantom is basically slowly killing her because the membrane that's around it is an incomplete wavelength. It's only kind of a temporary solution. So she passes out from the pain and has to be carried to the ship. And the there are soldiers that are accompanying the Deep Eyes, like Gray and his group of you know wacky joke telling friends oh god the banter is so so awful it's like it's like so awful it's like joss whedon on cough syrup or something (laughs) like if if joss whedon just like like i don't don't know i almost feel like you're you're saying something negative about joss whedon here no 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 no. i think even on cough syrup no i think joss whedon's banter is like the one uh, among the best in this best that kind of of you know dialogue writing uh but if he took a whole bunch of fucking cough syrup and then tried to write some banter i think that you'd have what the kind of shit you've got steve buscemi saying god it's so awful hey captain uh just for the record i'm uh, i'm all for the let's get out of here part let's go yeah it's really it's really terrible Uh, and it never stops until he dies wow and And you know what it really reminds me of though it really reminds me a video game banter. Oh, wow. How about that? Uh, so the soldiers that are accompanying the good guys, the Deep Eyes crew, Gray and Aki and, and everybody, to the Tucson Wastelands are meant to keep an eye on them because they were sent by Hein, who sent Gray to keep an eye on Aki. There's a whole scene where... Uh, the major, who's I don't think he has a name, but uh, the major is actually what's his name? Um, he's voiced by uh, an actor who was in uh, another Final Fantasy game. Matt McKenzie, who voices the major, is the only actor in the film that actually starred in a Final Fantasy game because he would later voice Auron in Final Fantasy X. That's cool. So in this scene. Cool in this scene where Gray and is talking to the Major and Hein, Gray is told to go and keep an eye on Aki because she Hein feels that she is being influenced uh, by the Phantom inside her, and if she exhibits any quote-unquote abhorrent uh, uh, behavior, she is to be arrested and brought to Hein immediately. Because Hein is a general, he has uh, jurisdiction, or he has he he can obviously pull rank on Gray and all of his guys. So he says, "You go do this." And then when Gray leaves, he's like, Major, send some of your best men to keep an eye on them. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing because you're just like, wait, if you don't trust 
the guys who you're sent. Why don't you just cut out the middleman and just and send, just send your, your best men yeah. instead of sending people who then so he's you like, have to also spy Gray, on? I want you to go. I want you to go keep an eye on this lady. And then Gray leaves, and he's like, Major, I want you to go keep an eye on Gray. It's so. What? <laughs> it's so. And and the other thing is, do they not Super know? Do they not know that they're in a relationship? together i mean no one except for those two characters acts like they have it because even even gray's deep eyes friends like uh neil and ryan and jane everyone even no yeah, one the dense knows combat buddies they yeah they what do you mean they don't know they know though they can sense it. they can sense it but they didn't know before That's fine. that they don't know these are like military covert operations guys they should be looking into that stuff and doing background checks and mm. making sure like if they're if they're trying to follow her because she's so important to saving the planet and they really think that they've got to get her out of the picture so that they can save the planet then yeah they'd be doing everything they could to find out about her and and w- what makes her tick and her motivations and whatever something like a relationship that she was in with a military officer is pretty important, and they don't know about it. Everybody knows about it. Everybody else, you say nobody knows about it, but everybody noticed. Like after of like course, oh, no, no, no. five seconds that, of them I wasn't, talking, I wasn't saying that. I was saying that no one knew about their relationship before beforehand. That. So but, maybe Hind wouldn't have a reason to know but that. But he could like look at them for two seconds because that's what everyone else has. Did. He seen them interact. Well, no, but I mean, they were in the council room and they gave each other like longing stares. Fuck eyes. <laughs> when they were talking about saving people who'd been infected by phantoms, and right. she like looks at him and she's like, "Like I saved you." So when they're on the planet, uh, well, okay. So once it's established that they're looking for these spirits, right? And then they go to the Tucson wasteland and they drop the little energy beacons that that make all the phantoms like gather in one place, so they can kind of do their business without the threat of of phantoms and whatnot. When they're walking around, it kind of feels like they're a quote-unquote party on a quote-unquote quest for a crystal, right? It kind mm. of, that's kind of how mm-hmm. it feels. But I don't understand why they couldn't have had ha, ha, had made each member of the squad a character with a different, like, vital job, with a different outfit, with, you know, make it feel like a JRPG, make it feel like a Final yeah. Fantasy game. I'm not saying that this has to be based on any one game entry in the Final Fantasy series. But not just the same not just the same military guy, military guy, military guy, military girl. Yeah. Okay, we did okay, it. Okay, yeah. We it, did it. They're all wearing the same costumes and then you've got Aki Ross and she's the only one who wears anything different. What what would be so hard about saying, "Oh, well we need this guy to do this and then we need this guy cuz that, you know, that job is also vital and it's a team of people that are this gathered to do This guy's the mechanic and things. he wears these clothes and has these tools on him because he's the me- mechanic exactly. for the ship. Use, this guy's the medic. Use those game tropes to give characters something to do and also tie it back to and the game. And it games. gives you really really surface personality too. Which this, I mean, like any personality is better than none. I would take surface personality over zero personality. Right. So, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think there were so many little ways that they could have made this feel like a Final Fantasy game, even if it is like a new entry. I mean, hell, they could have done something dumb like they do with Final Fantasy 11 and 14 which I don't really feel like are real Final Fantasy games because they're online. And had they done something dumb like the Final Fantasy movie is Final Fantasy you know, 10 or whatever wasn't out at the time, whatever the next one would have been, mm-hmm. right? 
this is, you know, the next one in the series, Final Fantasy X. It's the movie version. And then the next one, we're going to do another game. And the next one, we're going to do another game. And maybe another movie. Final Fantasy XIII is a movie. And, you know, if they're all standalone entries in a long-running series of stories, at you know, what are ultimately stories, then I don't understand why they couldn't have made this feel more like a story that would be in line with those stories. Yeah. This just feels like standard, like science fiction, which goes back to the the comment. Not even highbrow, like middlebrow. I keep quoting Hein because I kind of agree with him in this. Touchy feely. The science fiction in this movie is really touchy feely. Yeah, it's so strange. It doesn't like it's science fiction, and I think there's there you you can't argue that it's not science fiction because it's all, you know, they in the movie they all they quantify all of it with science. But it all feels really weak sauce. It is weak sauce. And it's convoluted weak sauce. Yeah. It's... I don't know. Like, I, I, we're really ragging on this movie. Is, is there anything that you think the movie does well? Anything that it does well. Um, I still think it's pretty. I, I mean, I know you're saying that, like, it doesn't look good compared to... To, to today's good. stuff, but I don't I think, th- not anymore. I, like, I think there's some pretty stuff in it. I think I think this is this is really super uncanny valley. Like when I when we people watched it back then, we didn't really have a word for it back then. I don't remember uncanny valley uh, being in kind of the public lexicon of how you describe that feeling that you have when you see like a facsimile of a human. That I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look real enough to me anymore that that I get the uncanny valley feeling off of it. Oh, really? It's yeah. it's, it's not that good. It's anymore? not that good to me anymore. I when I say it looks pretty, I mean that I mean that there are specific shots in this movie that I think are really beautiful and creative and give me that Final Fantasy feeling and that I still enjoy looking at. Um, most of it does though look like this. We're in the jail scene now where. We've got three side characters on one side and three main characters on the other side, and um, and they're sitting there talking because and plotting like what they're gonna do. Well, Why did right- they leave them in a jail cell where they could sit and talk to each other and plot? I mean, I, I I don't know, but what they're talking about right now is where the movie I feel becomes really really stupid. <laughs> like this is the plot point that's just like. Uh, I'm done. I'm done at this point. And that is in a previous scene and a couple of scenes ago, Aki had a dream. She finally finished her dream and she finally understands why the phantoms are there, which is kind of what she was trying to figure out the whole time, along with trying to find these spirits to complete the wavelength. But she, according to her dream, the phantoms were alien beings that lived on another planet and they were at war with one another and through their war ended up destroying their own planet and the way they got to earth was a meteorite a chunk of their planet came off flew through space and landed on earth but of course they wouldn't have survived the trip because they would have just been biological life forms floating on a a meteor you know a meteorite flowing flying through space or a meteor i guess if it's in space it's a meteor uh, and then when it enters Earth's atmosphere and lands, it becomes a meteorite. They wouldn't have survived. Well, I think they all died when the planet exploded. They all anyways. died when the planet exploded, and their ghosts traveled to Earth on 
the meteor. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it wasn't intended as a transportation device. It was just a chunk of their planet that just so happened to fall to Earth and was full of ghosts. Of alien this ghosts. Alien ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where the movie, to me, becomes completely stupid. I mean, you know, it's unique, right? No. <laughs> no? There are other alien ghost stories like this? I mean, no, but it's, I don't know. Okay, yes, I guess it's unique in that no one else is, has been dumb enough to do this oh. story. <laughs> But it's really ridiculous, right? And they're in it the jail ridiculous. cell right now, and they're they're delivering all this this exposition about this. And in this particular scene, we've cut back to the jail cell, and now they're trying to plot their escape, which to me seems really kind of strange because uh, Gray was given orders to arrest Aki if she exhibited any kind of strange behavior because of her phantom. She obviously does. He went against orders because he's in love with her and then he was arrested for going against orders along with Dr. Sid and all these people. So I don't understand why as a soldier in the military he's trying to break out of military prison. Yeah. You'd think that he would just wait and be like, okay, I guess I've got whatever's coming to me. But he's he's talking to Neil. They're trying to save the world. He believes her now. Yeah, I guess. And so. now, and, and now, now we get separated. Now we get separated for just a second. It's yeah. okay. The party will regroup in a second. Like Mortal Kombat. Don't worry. <laughs> They'll just pop up behind them. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey guys. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, so they do get separated. Um, um, so now, of course, Aki and Gray are separated into uh, into an elevator while the others go off somewhere else. Uh, and these phantoms, I don't know if you got this feeling. But these phantoms can move anywhere. They can fly anywhere. They right. can pass mm-hmm. through solid yes. objects anywhere at any time, right? Yes. And there are so many close calls with the phantoms that I'm just like, the the phantom could totally still just kill you right now. Like I, I, I don't I don't know why the phantoms aren't more proactive about killing them because they're in the scene in the shot that we just saw where they're in the in the elevator, there's like these tentacle phantom tentacles behind her and she just kind of jumps out of the way and then the phantom is just kind of outside the elevator, just staying there as the elevator slowly descends. And I guess the phantom's like, Oh, it's it's moving away from me. Well, I guess I'm I just guess there's nothing I here. can do. But but one of my questions was why why do the phantoms take their souls? Why? I mean, she says they're angry and confused, I guess, because their planet blew up and now they're ghosts on a different right. planet. That's fine. I'd be angry and confused, too, if my planet blew up and I was a ghost on a different planet suddenly. Why are they taking souls? What do they do with the souls once they take them? What happens to those souls after they are taken? Well, it is it ultimately it is a means to an end, and the end being that everybody in this movie fucking dies. Yes. <laughs> like every single one of the deep eyes. Yes. Every single one dies. Dies. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. use the whole soul taking thing to be like the uh last ditch uh effort on the part of Aki and Gray in order to get the completed uh phantom wave that she's been Mm -hmm. working on into the alien Gaia so toward the end of the movie and we're 
we're still only like a little over halfway through this movie. Yes. <laughs> Which is yeah. shocking because all of this feels like end of the movie, last act stuff. Yeah, it right? does. It does. And that's what I'm talking about with these kind of movies is that it, it with these kind of movies, with Japanese movies, with a lot, a lot of, of Japan- Japanese, not all, movies. absolutely not all. They're, a lot of Japanese action and science fiction movies specifically. They they feel like they this. do this kind of thing where, um, where you think you're at the end and then you're actually only halfway. Oh my gosh, this scene here where they're driving in this little car, the little dune buggy, mm-hmm, their little dune buggy, and they're going through the the building and trying to get out of the building. Um, it it totally reminds me of the end of Halo Three, where you're driving a warthog oh, yeah. out of an exploding building and trying to make it to your ship on time. Totally reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a nice little line like immediately after Aki says that or reveals that these things are ghosts from an alien planet, alien ghosts. Uh, in the very next scene, uh, Hein. Uh, orchestrates a part of the barrier city to go down so that the phantoms can can get in so he can kind of uh, orchestrate an emergency in order to convince the council to let him use the Zeus cannon because he just can't fucking wait I guess yeah and like the end when he when he keeps firing the Zeus cannon again and again and again and like it's overloading and stuff I don't get it. I don't understand his motivation. He's just nuts. Like there's no, there's no, and they try to explain it, I guess, explain it in his character as he lost his wife and daughter. So he just, he kind of wants revenge on the phantoms and the way he wants revenge is to just shoot the fuck out of them, I guess. I mean, if we're this high up in the military, couldn't, and like, apparently these are the top dogs because they've got the cannon that, you know, is going to save the world or destroy it. Right. Right. So these guys, this well, someone this guy paid is, for that thing. Someone right. paid for that thing for, I guess, the express purpose of killing phantoms, and it's complete now. So I don't understand why the council's like, we just spent a bunch of money on this thing, Sid. You can go fuck yourself. We're going to shoot these things, right? But yes, instead, they're that. just like, oh, well, okay, we'll we'll, we'll wait, wait, you know. Bit, yeah. But um, the space cannon can wait. The but forty billion dollars we spent on it can I, wait. I don't understand. Like again, if he's just straight out crazy. Don't they do background checks and stuff on these people? I'm serious. If he's if the whole thing is well, he does what he does because he's just nuts because he lost his family. He's a crazy person. I want to know what his military history they is. They should like, be what doing his psych evaluations. Yeah. Um, by the way, the way they're holding themselves in this shot, just look at how they're walking, their facial expressions. One of their buddies has just been impaled, yeah. and they've they left just left him, him to die. <laughs> And they were just like, it's okay, we'll come back for you, and he, and we'll leave someone to stay with you. No, you guys go. Don't leave. Just, just give, me give me a, a gun. gun. And they walk off, and the shot of them walking off, they're just, they just look just like, like they're just, okay, 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 we're going. I'm going to go get that other quest item. I'm going to go stick it in my arc reactor in my chest, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to finish the movie, maybe, or not. Oh, my God. I really didn't mean to hate on this movie so much. While we yeah, I, I didn't it. either, because I think it, like, of the video game movies that have come out... It is one of the better one of ones. It's one of the better ones. It, it might be the second best one that's oh, coming. Oh, God, that's so sad. Isn't that so sad? I, I mean, I think that Silent Hill is... is by far the By best. far the best one. Uh, even with its problems, which yeah, we talked about. It's still a fun movie. I still enjoy it. Um, I think as a movie, Final Fantasy might be 
the second best. That's really I, I sad. think as far as like enjoyability though, I think I I think I think I enjoy watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. I more told than you this. we should do it in a Pokemon movie. <laughs> there are like fifteen Pokemon <laughs> movies. Which one would we do? Just the first one. The first one? Yeah, just do the first Pokemon movie. <sighs> I don't know. I felt like that was cheating. I wanted to do like Hollywood really bad adaptations. <laughs> oh my god, are we gonna do some good movies? soon well next of next month is best picture winners so so we, yes we've got 80 some odd years of of you know the, best, of the best movies, movies of ever the made so <laughs> yeah so uh okay we'll, we'll okay, finally i'm get tired of movies. bitching about stuff because no, 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 i no, feel like most of this month has just been the only thing we'll have to worry about in in the best picture month is not giving enough commentary because we're watching the movie and being like, "Sorry guys, this is a really good yeah, scene." Yeah, that I'm and that. Watch this. Most of them are like a thousand hours long. So. Oh yeah, that's true. A couple of the ones that we've picked, uh, we're not going to mention them yet because that's part of the surprise. Uh, but yeah, we've got a few in there that are over oh, two God. hours. I think we've got one in particular that's like two and a half hours long. Oh. It might be the longest popcorn poops we've done. Although I think. To this day, the longest popcorn poops that we've ever done, and this is kind of shocking, is Hook. Really? I think Hook is still the longest That's movie. With, it's either Hook or The Avengers, and I think they're both about the same length. Um, so we're here trying to get um, Aki's ship to work, but it's on lockdown right now because they took it away from her. Did you? And okay. R- jumping back just a little bit. When they drove into the station, when, you know, Gray is like, we got to drive through the station. And they're like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? And, uh, and his friend. It was a good impersonation. <laughs> and Ryan's like, it's the only way. So they drive past a huge, huge phantom to get into the station. And as soon mm-hmm. as they're into the station, they spin out and they realize that Ryan has been, you know, penetrated by this beam. Man, or and he was he was the one too that was all like, We gotta do it, let's do it, and then he got impaled. Did did you think that sucked. they actually haven't really driven that far past the huge phantom that oh my if gosh. I can recall correctly can they stick can stick the tentacles through the wall. Right, just pass through solid and matter. Then just reach Like them. all it has to do is turn around and be like, Hey, you're dead. Sorry. Yes. Also when they they left him to die Right when they left him there to die, um, I thought when they were walking away that they walked far away. No, I thought they walked far away. I did too. I did too. Because they're just like, it's okay. Well, we're not that far. We'll come back for you. We're gonna go too. get the I... ship, and then you realize because we're about to get some shits going down. Now we've got more characters about to die. We're just killing him off right here because we you, don't you, need him you, anyways. Did you like the little banter where he's working on a, he's working on the little whatever it is that's attached to the and ship. He's talking. That he's got, and he's talking and he's like, can we stop talking now? I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying do to something. Concentrate. I'm trying to concentrate. Yeah, it was really clever. Oh, um, so, <laughs> God. so anyways, though, I thought they were far away. And like uh, the the girl one of the military guys this one i don't i don't know what her name is i don't remember jane have you noticed that her nipples are always visible no i haven't have you noticed I guess that you did. <laughs> i did notice that her nipples are they 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 created nipples that show through her shirt that you can see in every single scene that she's got like a tank top or whatever again thank on. you japan right what why right yeah yeah i can see him now 
Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. CG nipples. Why? CG Why? Why? So she doesn't wear a bra? She's in the military. She's running around all the time and carrying, like, heavy weapons and stuff and having to do, like, combat acrobatics and shit, and she doesn't have a bra on? That's what you're telling me? Bullshit. Calling bullshit. Bullshit is right. That's okay, some so, bullshit. Her so boobs would be flapping up and smacking her in the face. We've lost two of our main characters. We lost Steve Buscemi and Jane, the the woman. Um, <laughs> did you feel anything at all for them? No, I don't care. It's just no more banter. That's it. <gasps> the banter is do done. Care. I do care. <laughs> the banter's finished. They Yay. aren't going to say stupid things to each other anymore. Robo tripping Joss Whedon is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, so, like, now we're seeing, we're going to get some longer shots here where we see the ship and the giant phantom. And then you can also see, like, the area where she went and she got the, I don't know what she needed them for. She got, like, some canisters with green stuff in them. To and power she was using the, it to power something. To power something. the ATV that they're going to use later to mm-hmm. when they land oh, on yeah, the Oh, yeah, to make the barrier thing around yeah. there. Right, so she she got some of those, um, and then we realized that wow, they're all they're all right here in the same little area. Wow, look. Okay, see this now. We've then, got Ryan who's shooting the same same phantom, and that, now we get a real long shot right there, and they're right, right ne- there. Yeah, he, you could throw a football and peg him in the head. <laughs> you, could. <laughs> you could. The phantom could throw a football and peg him in the head, <laughs> and I thought they were. See, and there's the thing right there with the canisters, with the glowy canisters that she used to power the stuff. Yeah. It's all right there. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense why they weren't more upset when they were walking away from their impaled friend is because they were just like walking like five feet away. Right? I thought I was certain that they were like going to another part of the city and we're going to have to come back for him or something? No, it's just all in the same place. And when he started shooting, at first, I was certain that he had like found a way to drive up to them. But oh, no. no. No, he's just right there. And so now he's dead. So now we've lost three members. The, just the, back to The back. three secondary characters of the Yeah, Deep like Eyes in the group. same word, they were on the jail cell. I told you you had the three. The three the who will three survive. Who will, well, well, who will survive-ish toward who, the who, end. Who will survive this, this um, part. And then the three that are totally expendable. <laughs> and <laughs> it's divide, they're, they're, they're in separate cells. They are. You did see that, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. See? Right on. Uh, so, yeah, the, the movie. that Oh, that's foreshadowing. The movie is projecting. Ah, I see. Foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Is it? I think so. (laughs) Are we going to use that term with this movie? I think... Maybe I was mistaken. No, I think it was actually someone else. When when they were on the the Tucson Wastelands, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the characters... Did you notice that, that... that after we know who the characters are, suddenly the main characters' uniforms change? Like they don't no, have... I didn't notice that. So in the very first scene where they're in old New York, they have like the, the suits on that look like uh, look like the big armored suits from like Fallout that yeah. have like the glowy eyes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And you can't see who any of them are. You can only hear their voices. And then after that scene, of course, they take off their helmets. We get to know the characters... So sort to speak. of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. As much as you do in a Final Fantasy game or a movie. <laughs> right. Uh, and then when they go back to the Tucson Wasteland and they've got uh, Heinz soldiers with them, Heinz soldiers still have the uh, the suits on that 
where you can't see their faces or anything. But then all of our main characters have these like masks or these helmets on that are like par- only partially covering their faces so you can see who's who. So for some reason, after the first scene, they get new armor that it just conveniently allows you to recognize who they are for the audience. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, I found that a little bit strange. It is strange. Um, I mean, there's some cool shots. Like this is this is kind of a nice shot. I don't know. There's some interesting colors. I love the space stuff. I think mm-hmm. the space stuff looks really more. Really of the movie nice. should have been in space. Yeah. If it had been more like if they wanted to do a whole sci-fi thing and that's what they were going for, they should have done a, more stuff in space. Done some space battles and stuff like that. Yeah, that would have been cool. So. I mean, in this in this scene right here, we get to uh, we get to witness uh, CGI cryface and kiss. CGI cryface and kiss, and I've got to say that the CGI cryface doesn't work. It's really really awkward, and I, I don't know. She just kind of opens her mouth and goes, and you're like, oh, I guess she's crying. <laughs> That's weird. Um. This, so the, this, uh, the Uncanny Valley totally affects me. Like, I think it still affects me. I but. mean, it affects me a little bit, but I, I guess my point is is that CG is so much better now that... that This is so this obviously This is fake. so obviously not real. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we're going to... We're getting Cryface soon, and oh, yeah. we're also going to get... I guess it's Cryface? Yeah? Is that I, Cry? Yeah, cry? yeah that's Cryface. Oh, yeah, okay. she's doing it. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm not sure. I think um, they forgot to uh, to render the tears. And then and then they're going to kiss. And this brings up an issue that I have with video games. And it works with this because this is a video game movie and it's CG. Um, it looks like a cutscene from a this video is game. Ki- this is kind of like the scene in Final Fantasy VIII with Squall and Renoa in space. With oh, eyes yeah, on that's me playing. Right. Kind of the kind of romantic floating mm-hmm. and holding each other and kissing um, and whatnot. I I don't feel it here. I don't buy it. I don't well, of feel it. Of course not. What? Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, right, because of the characters and the writing, right? But also the way it looks right now, it doesn't, uh, mm, it doesn't look real. It doesn't look right. And this is a major problem for um, story writing in video games. This contributes, the fact that this this kiss specifically it was the best it, of its it, time. It highlights. It highlights a, a problem that is. It highlights pervasive. a problem yeah. that's. Per, it highlights a problem that's pervasive in video game storytelling, specifically romantic storytelling. This is a big issue of mine because I play a lot of video games, and I I really want to be invested in my characters, and I get pissy because I don't think that they write video games for women because they think women don't play video games mostly which luckily is changing these days um it's been different for a long time it's just perception is wrong i mean yes like more than like i guess the last time they did yeah i'm, I'm polls, not saying it's changing more than more 50, women are playing yeah, I'm saying more than 50 percent of, of, of women are gamers now like more, right. well, more and, than 50 and i know that's that also a lot of like uh, that's also a lot of like cell phone gaming statistics and still stuff counts. like that but it still does count and and though I I'm will talking never about a casual gamer, ever. no, absolutely not. And though I'm talking about you know uh, more time-consuming console gaming and stuff, RPGs and and uh, uh, online RPGs like uh, WoW and whatever. I mean, 
I'm also talking about action games, whatever. I'm talking about the fact that they don't write stories for women. Right. They write stories for men, which means that largely the relationships are a afterthought. They're an afterthought to the games. And that's very frustrating for someone who is a woman who plays video games, who wants to see who my motivation a lot of times when it comes to being invested in a story is being invested in the relationships between the characters and surprise romantic relationships matter to me um and they don't do it very often and when they do it they don't do it well at all i cannot think of a single example of a romantic relationship in a video game that i gave a shit about and i have you don't play dating simulators though. oh god please no i don't <laughs> or visual novels no thank you <laughs> i have i have a, a sense of pride um, oh no! <laughs> oh, that's not fair. It's not actually. I have played a visual novel, and I've played some on iOS, and mm. I think they're fun. So, um, but I'm really what I'm thinking of is some of the Japanese shit that the, the just the, game, the copious games, amounts the of games. the porno games yeah. that they have here. That that's what I think of when I think of visual novels. Um, but my point is, is that I have looked and looked and looked for a video game that is a uh, that has a good love story in it. And I can't find one. And and people, like, when I look on forums and stuff and try and see what people suggest, they're always bringing up Final Fantasy and shit like that. And I'm like, no, please, no. Actually, I know what good writing is and I know what good relationships and writing, how, how that looks, how that's represented. And it's not represented well in these games. And one of the most intriguing things I ever read about it was... Uh, a female video game designer was talking about the fact that it's so difficult to physically, visually convey emotion, especially emotions that are subtle, like attraction and romance and love. Um, It's so difficult to convey that, that that's the major reason why they avoid it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. I don't know. It's. I think a lot of it also lies in the fact that the writing isn't there. I think ri- writing accounts for a lot. And I, I think, I, I think writing that, is an afterthought in video games most I mean, of the time. I, I think that once you get the writing there, that's the biggest step in the right direction. And then from there, as technology advances, you can work on you know the subtleties of human facial expressions and stuff like that that, that convey these little... Uh, barely detectable emotional changes and things that are very important to to conveying like romantic stories and emotions and in ostensibly human characters right so i mean i think the first step is the writing and then we can continue to work on the technological aspect do you have an example of a video game that you think has good writing yeah the last of us ah it does i think You're the right. la- i think the last of us is it does. um uh, and I, I could be wrong. Um, I, I think The Last of Us is probably not that I'm wrong. It's an opinion, but of the games I've played, I think The Last of Us probably is the best written game I've ever played. It is. I'm invested in those characters. I oh, care yeah. about them. By the end of the, I by the end of that major game, fuck. you care. You, you major you, fuck. I mean, it's like God. I that was the first it's very, time. Very very cinematic. It feels like you're watching a movie. The first you, what ten minutes of that game or something. Oh it was the God. first time I sobbed in a video. It's game. Devastating. Yeah. I I was I was just captivated yeah. and destroyed. As far as like comedy writing and stuff like that goes, I think that video games have been able to do it. The portal games are very mm-hmm. funny. Are I think funny. they're genuinely funny and I think the jokes are genuinely good. Uh and I, I think that there have been some you know, 
it's here and there. It's very spotty, but there have been example some examples from throughout gaming uh, that you can see that, especially I think the comedic side has progressed a lot more than the dramatic side of things. Uh, but we're getting there. Yeah, uh, thankfully we are. We're thankfully getting better. There was the one example I always come back to is when I played Advent Rising forever yeah, yeah. ago, back on. Uh, Say what you will about Orson Scott Card. <laughs> right, yeah. He may be a homophobe. That raging but, homophobe. Um, fuck himself. <laughs> but but he's a very famous science fiction writer. Uh, if you don't know him, Ender's Game. Ender's Game. He wrote Ender's Game. Um, yep. From the Ender Saga. So, like, it was written by him and by the script for Advent Rising was written by him and... Uh, Cameron Dayton, who writes for Warcraft and Starcraft and Diablo, that kind of stuff. Um, and I, now granted, I couldn't finish the game because the mechanics are basically unplayable. Um, it's got this like flick targeting system that just, it's just awful. Yeah. And it's really, it's got a bunch of bugs and stuff. It's really glitchy. It freezes a lot. And it's, by the time you're really into battle, it's, just unplayable it's a mess but the writing from what i did play was good it was fun it was uh captivating again so the cannon the zeus hein is finally firing the zeus cannon into the crater while aki and gray are down here trying to collect the final spirit uh so it's all kind of come to the come to a head in this one location the the final battleground if you will. Uh there is no final boss battle in this which I feel is kind of a rip off in a Final Fantasy movie. It is. Where's the final boss? Like the only one that could be considered the final boss would be like Hein and he straight up kills himself yeah. by being an idiot. Uh but the cannon like shooting down from space kind of looks like and I'm stretching here. I'm stretching. Death Star. No. <laughs> No, not Death Star. Bahamut's Mega Flare. Oh, okay. When Bahamut's Mega when Bahamut uses his Mega Flare from space, especially in the Final Fantasy VII, I think it's like Zero Bahamut or Mecha Bahamut or whatever. The one that shoots from space <laughs> and the clouds kind of part and the beam comes yeah, down. Yeah, I know what you're talking like about. That. I was saying Death Star because there's a part when it explodes at the end where a it's giant ball <laughs> drops off of it. Oh. Um, you're talking about the Zeus, right? Yeah, yeah. The Zeus cannon? Yeah, when it explodes at the end, there's a shot where a huge ball that's kind of like, uh, it's got like a, a it's segmented uh-huh. too, and and it drops off of it. And I mean, since it's something that potentially could be destroying a world with a blast, like it's got to be an illusion, I thought. I don't know. There's some stuff that explodes in this movie that like has a ring around it that looks like the Death Star explosion ring from the special edition. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, I guess this might be uh, considered a final bossy kind of thing. This the alien Gaia that's writhing around, which is Resident Evil as fuck. Yeah. Can I is. just say it looks like it looks like something out of a Resident Evil game. It does. It's really gross. It's really veiny and pulsing and And you know, they've got this they've got phallic. this this ATV that has this sphere on it that's made up of the bioetheric uh, shielding stuff that protects their barrier cities. My question is, why isn't this shit around every single vehicle? Yeah. There's a scene earlier why where they're, all where the they're space trying ships, to... Why don't, why they don't all, all the it? spaceships have a force field made of this stuff? I, what? Really? Why, why, why don't they wear suits right. made of Couldn't this? Couldn't they figure out a way to like put it around their suits or something? You'd think, but, huh. but no, yeah. I guess not. Um, 
you know, I was talking about the Uncanny Valley before. It's come up a couple of times. Most people, when they talk about the Uncanny Valley, they say it's in the eyes. They say it's the dead eyes thing. Mm. The eyes don't bother me in this so much. I think the eyes are kind of pretty. The close-ups of her eyes, I think, yeah, are kind I, of pretty. I think they, they kind of work. The thing, the thing that I think is probably the worst for me in this, as far as Uncanny Valley goes, teeth. Her teeth? Everyone's teeth. Mm. Everyone's teeth feel like sort of translucent and floaty. Yeah. Like they're just yeah. kind of floating around in their mouths. I don't know. There's something... I'm sure. I'm sure that they're not just floating around in their mouths. I'm sure that it's part of a solid, like, skeletal model that they have. Right. You know, they've created a skeletal model and they put the skin modeling over it and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure the teeth work exactly the way they're supposed to, but they just look wrong. Yeah. You're right. They do. Now I can't stop looking at her teeth. It's terrible, right? Why'd you have to tell me that? I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, one thing we didn't talk about and we're going to miss any opportunity to hear it um i really think the score sounds like the matrix score. it does it sounds a lot like the matrix right here listen listen to these to this brass and stuff that's going on in the choirs yeah Yeah, the choirs and the brass it does sound very matrix i think that is no i I don't think that's a mistake that's not an accident um the matrix of horse came out in 1999 this came out in 2001 and as a science fiction film that comes out you know in the wake of you know the matrix yeah. you're going to try to capture that as much as you possibly can and i think elliot goldenthal and it's really i think it's in some ways unfortunate that nobuo uematsu right. who did all of the music why, for all of the final why fantasy didn't games they get him except to for do like it. tactics and stuff like that um i'm he, not sure why they didn't get him to do it he would i think a, a movie score by him would be amazing. I I would love to hear that. Um, but despite that, and despite the fact that Elliot Goldenthal's uh, score for this is very Matrixy, mm. I like it. I do too. I, I think, think it's, it's a fine. good score. I really do. I think it's a good score. It's big the way it needs to be. Um, and if his goal was to capture kind of the 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 feeling you get from the Matrix score, I think it works on that I, level. I will say, uh, unfortunately, and the score is part of the problem with this. It's not a problem with the score. It's just a problem with, I don't know, the mixing or something in this movie. But the range, the volume range in this movie, it's one of those movies where it's like I'm watching it. And I can't hear what they're saying, so I turn it up, and then it's like screaming at me with super loud noises. It's one of those movies that does that, yeah. and it drives me crazy when movies do that. Yeah. Uh, I remember years ago when I first bought the DVD, uh, it was one of the first DVDs I ever bought and played it on my PlayStation 2, and that's I think this might have been the first movie where I realized that that was a common problem, or mm-hmm. the first time I realized that problem, which ended up being kind of a common problem with DVDs. I read, um, I read online when I was looking this up because I was frustrated at one point. Apparently, when you're watching things in VLC, you can do something, you can do a fix called the dynamic range compress- compression, mm-hmm. and you can fix it so that I guess it doesn't go above a certain point, oh, or okay. or and like the vocals stay up to a certain point. Oh well, that's nice. So I always wanted that. Back in the day before. If only DVD players had something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, please don't go louder than this volume because I have neighbors who are going to be really pissed off at me. So, you know, Hein says some stuff. I'm not, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it's, it's already passed. But Hein says something that makes, or kind of makes the audience or makes me believe that 
he actually believes that Aki is being influenced by phantoms. But up to this point, I thought that was just his ploy. I thought that was that was the card that he had to play to get his way. I, I never felt like he actually thought she was under the influence of phantoms. Did you? No, I thought he was just he was just playing it. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. But there's there's a line when they're having a conversation about him, you know, firing on on this crater. And he says, "Now we have to now we have to do the opposite of what you're saying because yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're under the influence. That, that's of what phantoms. it is. He says, "Well, because you're saying that, then I know that the course of action I'm taking but is I the think actual he's still, one because." He's still just crazy there you think i think he still he still doesn't actually believe that she's under the influence but he's just crazy i don't know why he continues firing the zeus cannon i don't understand it when they tell him that it's too much he kills all those people on that cannon all those workers yeah in that station oh yeah he kills them um why just stop firing it man let it recharge i don't get it so i i I think that this movie has forgotten something that it established really early on, and that is that uh, you cannot see phantoms without a scanner or without shooting that thing that she shot at the beginning that's got the little mm-hmm. the, the little fireflies-looking thing. Mm-hmm. She shoots this thing into the sky that looks like a flare, and it explodes, and these little tiny glowing light things come down, and when they land on phantoms, you can see them with the naked eye, but you can also see them with scanners. Now, they even mentioned that specifically when the the phantoms were invading the city and one of the characters said something like, why can we see them? And and I guess Gray says it's the residual residual energy from passing through the barrier that's like sticking to their their bodies. So why can they see them now? Right. They're not wearing scanners right now and they can see them and they can also see Gaia. And here, tentacles. Tentacles in... In vagina area. In the uterus, yeah. The first one to kind of glow and start. I, I don't know if that was intentional, but it, it stood out to me that... Well, yeah. That this alien that's... And I can't make I can't make sense of this, this dream that she's having right now. She's passed out again from the pain of the phantom inside her, uh, the spirit within. Ah, ah, got it. <laughs> and, uh, and... That's she, beautiful. Why couldn't the movie have looked like this? Right, exactly. That looks like Grand Pulse. It does, from which Final is Fantasy beautiful. Thirteen, which is beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really make sense of the dream. I just know that when she comes out of it, she realizes that the eighth spirit has found her and completed the wave inside the chest plate inside right. her. So the eighth so she's spirit totally cured. finds her and sticks his tentacles into various parts of her body. Right now, they don't do a full like up between the legs vagina shot, no. but they do nothing a, like, like the, not, not the barbed wires in uh, right in Silent Hill. Right, we're not we're not getting there, but they do do like a tentacle into her lower. Sure. abdomen area and I think in, I think in a way aggressively reminds the audience that this is a Japanese film <laughs> <laughs> yes it does so so now that she's got the completed wavelength because the phantom found her because she had a dream because that's how she saw it to be even though the audience I, I did you get that from the dream or that what that that the phantom had completed itself or the wave had completed itself inside her yeah I know I just, and then she comes out and she's like, it found me. It's completed. I'm cured. It's all done. We can just go. And I'm like, oh, is that what that was? Okay. Okay, sure. Thanks. Sure. Sounds good. So uh, so now she's going to use, she's going to plug her chest plate or whatever, plug the wave into 
the ATV and use the shield generator as a projection method to project the the wave onto the alien Gaia and all of the alien phantoms to try to cure the thing. What are to they try trying to, to, to cure try to, now? To, cure the phantoms? They're trying to fix the story. I don't know. <laughs> no, they're trying to kill the phantoms, but just in a different way than than. Well, in a non-violent way. You see, you see now, at the beginning of the story, do you remember in the very beginning when they were in old New York and she was walking around? She never shot at the phantoms. She didn't shoot at them right. one time. She was running away from them. She was hiding, whatever. The military using guys her, came in. Using her Seiko wristwatch. Did you notice that? No. One of the first shots of the movie, she's looking around and she sees this big bill, billboard that says Seiko in uh, in Times Square. And then she looks down and activates the little thing on her wrist and it's a Seiko, like Seiko so, brand thing. So what? They, they, that was a Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, brought to you by Seiko. I guess so. Okay. Um, anyway, so she didn't shoot at the Phantoms at all. But the military guys came in and they immediately started shooting the phantoms. That was like first instinct yeah. move. Um, <clears throat> now, when they start shooting them, if you look at her face in that very early scene, there's just this brief moment where she kind of like looks irritated or uncertain or it's kind of hard to tell exactly what emotion. But mm-hmm. like there's something that she gives you the feeling she does not agree even if she doesn't understand why she doesn't agree she doesn't agree with them shooting the phantoms right and then here at the end of the movie um when they're down in this crater together she tells her boyfriend uh don't shoot them or the doc dr sid tells him or something don't shoot them you're just gonna piss them off or no 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 don't shoot them because you could shoot the eighth phantom and destroy it and that's what we're looking for so don't don't delete our last quest item. Um, but so it wraps around to that. I just knew it was going to come back to that in this movie. It was just going to wrap around to it being this thing about all all creatures are, there's no real evil creature. Everything Everything's just confused or angry and right. we shouldn't attack it with violence. And instead we should attack it with, I don't know, the spiritual energy. There was the ring explosion again. Oh, yeah, there it was. Um, I knew it was going to come back to that, and it did. But I still don't really understand what, what, how they are destroying them then, or not destroying them, or... Okay. Learning to live in harmony with them. No, the 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 thing, the, the way Sid explains it earlier, because like I said, I paid really close attention to this movie, and I think I understand everything there is to understand about it. I'm proud of you. In, <laughs> I, I had to lose some childhood memories in order to fit it all into my head, but uh, it was not worth it. Um, in the council room scene, Sid explains, and and he, <laughs> this is the best part. He literally says. As you all know. Oh, good. Before delivering a chunk of exposition, which you just know is that's how you write. So, right. yeah, uh, that is. Aspiring screenwriters, if you want to get something across, make sure your character says, as, as you all you, know. As you all know. And then he says it. And then say the information. Right. Uh, but he says, as Writing you all know, that the bioetheric energy has, like, operates on a frequency. And if you can counteract the frequency with an opposite frequency, then it will cancel it out. Uh, and he uses this science oh, to say... Oh, yeah, I remember say, that, that 
vomit of information. Right. He uses that that science, quote unquote science, which there, that there is some grounding in actual science. Like that's how uh, that's how um, uh, noise canceling headphones work. Okay. Like sound operates obviously on a frequency, and if you introduce the opposite uh, wavelength to that frequency, then it'll cancel that sound out, and then you get you know a purer sound, and the you know the the sound that you want actually comes through the headphones. Um, the so what he's doing with his science is he's trying to finish this opposite wavelength so that he can cancel out the phantoms without harming Gaia. Because Heinz' whole thing is that if he shoots the, the, the Zeus cannon into the Earth, it will kill phantoms, but it's also going to kill Gaia because all it does is destroy biotheric energy. That's all it does is just completely obliterate it, all of it. Right. So... What he has Which to do... Which is what's happened now because Gaia has been destroyed. Right, exactly. And taken over by all the phantoms. Right. Um, so what he has to do is he has to find these eight different pieces of spirits that contain different parts of the wavelength in order to complete the wavelength. And then he can cancel out the phantoms without harming Gaia. Mm-hmm. So that's how that whole and thing works. And she's collected them into her arc reactor. And right. now And now she's going to so pass now, them through her boyfriend... Yes, so she's holding on to Gray's hand, and the alien guy is passing above him. He's reaching up into it and letting it take his soul, and the the completed wavelength travels through his body into his soul, and then thus into the alien Gaia. She was pretty easy to convince to let him die. Yeah. Instead of her, because conceivably, it, right? Died, Couldn't she, she have just like jumped the into the thing? abyss? Couldn't she have just like run in like headlong into a phantom and just, ah. and, just <laughs> and then like it it would have absorbed her? Yeah, it kind of goes unsaid, but I guess there is a moment where she's like, "Okay, you can die." Okay, <laughs> I guess we both don't have to die. You're already injured, clearly to the point of no return. Is he? No, so he's not. And all of this right here, like this shot right here with the the beam of light shooting into space. To the movie's credit, this does feel like a big JRPG ending. Yes, it does. Very much so. I really. Uh, I also like here how how the little glowy blue particles are floating up, and bring us back to the image from the beginning of the movie when the red particles were floating down. Right. Some you know, yeah, reflective got, imagery we've got there. Some, yeah. some stuff going on. Like the movie's the, nicely movie bookended does, with visuals. It. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's no, just... no. I don't think it's a. It's oh man, that's 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 really hard. I don't think it's an explicitly bad movie, but I think that it's got a lot of problems that keep it from being a good movie. I don't think Ultimately, it's a good movie either. My big problem with this movie is that it's boring. Mm-hmm. Is that the only times I've ever watched this movie, and I've watched it, I think maybe. Uh, this time around taking notes for it was maybe like three times the third time or so. And um, this time right now that we're watching it and doing commentary for it is the first time ever that I've watched this movie and not had the insatiable need to fall asleep. Oh my God. When you watched this yesterday and took notes after the movie finished, you were just like, I got to take a nap. And I did. And you did. <laughs> you took a nap and you slept for like an hour or two. In and then the I woke of the up day. and I was like, okay. All right. I've, All right, I've slept off Final Fantasy. <laughs> you don't need sleeping pills. You don't need alcohol. 
nothing like that to, to aid you. No marijuana. All you've got to do if you want to have a restful sleep is just watch Final Fantasy The Spirits It Within. is very solipsistic. <laughs> is that the right word? I don't know. You're the English major. <laughs> yeah, but you're the one pulling random words out of your ass. What, what is that <laughs> I just one? made it up. I think, I think it means something that induces sleep. Okay. I think it is. It sounds good. But sure. it is. No, I think this is a, this is a much like uh, Fantasia. Yeah, Fantasia's that, that I've been falling asleep to recently. But um but Fantasia's like a like like that makes sense, you know? I mean, it's classical music and pretty pictures, so. Well, this is that too, right? <laughs> it's a it's a Yeah, but the reason I fall a, asleep in this is score, because my brain gets so tired. It's a score and pretty pictures and no characters. This to is speak the shot of. I was talking about. This is beautiful with the eagle flying over the snow-capped mountains. It looks like it and looks like a song. yes, and this is this really does feel like a JRPG right here with some I I am some terrible pop ballad some terrible pop ballad by someone you've never heard of before, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm gonna bet from the lyrics in this song that this is definitely a translation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't all, speak to that. An all too close literal translation if it's not then that's really sad if this song was written by first language speakers so final thoughts on final fantasy the final Spirits thoughts I, gosh i feel like i didn't go through i know half I, I, my didn't, notes. I didn't go through half my notes either i had so much stuff i wanted to say but yeah i mean it, it is it is not what it could have been i feel like one of the problems whenever i watch a, a japanese movie like this that J-horrors aside, because J-horrors are their own world and their own thing, but movies like this that really are cerebral and stuff... Um, <laughs> that's, a comp- that's a big compliment it, to this it movie. Is, it is a compliment. I don't mean it as a compliment. I mean it as like a... Okay, you, trying to be cerebral? You, you mean dense. The, the movie is kind of densely... Well, it's not even dense. It's just... I, I don't know. know. Like, I feel like any word to try to describe that the... the, the plot is too plotty uh feels like a compliment and it's not like the, when i say that the plot is too dense i just mean th- there's too much plot there's too much of it which is again just like a final fantasy game so it does a good job of that they, um, i mean they sacrifice characters for plot and the plot's not interesting enough and the movie doesn't really, really have anything interesting to say other than protect the earth but i also do always have the opinion whenever i watch a movie like this i always i always look at myself very self-consciously and I worry about whether or not I have these feelings because it's actually a real critique of the storytelling or if it's something that is just a part of me that I I can't understand because I was wa- raised on Western storytelling and this is Eastern storytelling. Yeah. And, and I think there is something to be said about the cultural difference of storytelling. I think that's fair. The geographic differences in storytelling yeah. and... And how possibly um, this comes across to to Asian viewers very differently than it does, to, it does. to Western viewers. I think so, it does. And uh, that's a good point, and I think that's a good place to uh, to end the podcast. And for the record, before though we end, though, we do love Final Fantasy. We do. We I think do. that's clear. I think it's clear that we do, though. Okay. Okay. Now that we've reached the end of the movie, we'd like to read a five-star review that we received on iTunes. This review comes from Dad1153 with the subject line, Great Refreshing Way to Rewatch Great Flicks. And Dad1153 says, It's rare to find a podcast with genuine chemistry between its participants, and when you do, it's a thing of beauty to listen to. 
Popcorn Poops manages to not only pull this off, but then it throws on the double feat of being A, a great listen-along podcast, as well as B, entertaining commentaries while watching the actual movies they're commenting about. Jessica and Dustin have an easygoing rapport that doesn't leave huge gaps of silence, a pet peeve of mine for commentaries, shows they've done their homework and present their opinions with class. I disagree with just about anything they think of Gremlins, which I adore, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> but that didn't keep me from enjoying their take on this Joe Dante classic. Looking forward to Jessica finishing to watch the X-Files TV show so that she can do a follow-up to the X-Files podcast with the sequel so she and Dustin can make the pro- prospect of rewatching X-Files I Want to Believe fun again, something the movie can't do on its own. <laughs> Love podcasts that double as commentaries and Popcorn Poops joins an elite few that are worth revisiting again and again. Highly recommended. Thank you so much. That's a great review. And I definitely, don't worry, I'm still watching X-Files. You are. I am. If you'd like to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. And if it's a five-star review, we'll even read it on the show. As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook if you'd like to receive updates about the show, including our weekly movie still identification game. If you have a question, comment, or movie request for us, you can reach us on our social media outlets or by emailing us at thepopcornpoops at gmail.com. Next week, we've got a new theme for you. Throughout the month of February, we'll be covering Best Picture Oscar winners, starting with Joel and Ethan Cohen's 2007 film, No Country for Old Men. If you have any questions about that movie or related topics you'd like us to discuss, please contact us through social media or email. Thanks for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the Popcorn Poops. Every week on the In Session Film Podcast, you can expect to hear reviews on all of the latest movies, big films, small films, and everything in between. We'll also do top three segments relating back to our main review. We discuss all of the latest movie news and rumblings, as well as have movie series and other fun segments. And we always talk about the films that we're watching and why you should watch them or not watch them as well. If you want to learn more about the In Session Film Podcast, check us out online at InSessionFilm.com. You can hear our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and so much more. In fact, you can listen to everything we have straight from our website. Again, that is InSessionFilm.com. Download our podcast, check us out, and come join us every week. We'd love to hear from you.